is uh, located in, in Pennsylvania, and it's, uh, it's really uh, an old mansion that has been dedicated to the Lord and to Christian retreats, um, and um, it's amazing to be able to separate two weeks of your life and to just go and hear from the Lord. Um, in the span of two weeks, we sat through 41-plus uh, teachings um, a typical teaching here at Calvary Miami is between 45 minutes and an hour long. The teachings over there were between an hour and a half and two hours long. Uh, so 40, 40 plus teachings. And then if that wasn't enough, um, my dear brother Mike he said, we should wake up at 5.30 in the morning and we should do group devotionals. Um, so we did that. And it was truly uh, an amazing time together. Um, but... All that being said, I'm going to welcome uh, George Avila to come on up and to share with us what uh, the Lord uh, did in and through those two weeks in his life, and, and then he'll keep calling up the other men um, as he finishes up. Well, thank you. Buenas noches. What a joy uh, to be able to share just a little bit of, uh, of what God did with me and uh, in me and um, something that, that he showed me so clearly. Uh, it's, uh, it was just an amazing time. But um, let me just set up here and put my uh, alarm because we got eight to ten minutes and I don't want to violate that. So start. Bam. So, all right. But... Um, what a privilege to have gone over there and attended um, that opportunity. Uh, I just came back reminded of the privilege we have to be part of what God is doing through Calvary Chapel. And of course, God is working in many churches. It's not, it's not a Calvary thing, right? But we have a special privilege that, um, you know, I came back saying, wow, Lord, you have really blessed us. The, the way that the word is handled, it's the central thing. Uh, how, um, because of the scriptures, we allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. And, so God just has this special charge over um, our lives uh, and then over the ministries, and, and God blesses it. And I just came back uh, super reminded of that, the privilege uh, of being part of that. But uh, it was an amazing time over there with so many guys, uh, so many personalities. Uh, you know God is in a place when a bunch of alpha males are together <laughs> and there's no fireworks, you know. Uh, as a matter of fact, I saw something that I had never experienced to this degree. I saw Acts 2.42 in a very special way. You know, Acts 42 says um, that they continued in the Word of God, in prayer, in fellowship, and in the breaking of mucho bread. Mucho bread. That was a lot of food over there. I came back six pounds heavier. No lie. I knew because I didn't need my belt at the end. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was a privilege. You know, so that's, that's something that God was showing me, man. Heaven's going to be even better than that, but uh, we had an amazing time. I'm one of those that I take a mission trip, and after five days, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I want to go home. And this one was different because of what God was, what I needed. I came back saying I needed that trip. I needed to be at the Lord's feet. But, um, you know, I just want to give you, uh, through a parallel of Scripture, kind of like what God did for me and in me, and, uh, and you can pray for me that that work would continue. Turn to John 13 real quick. John 13, 3. 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper, he laid aside his garments, he took a towel, he girded himself. After that, now check this, this is a key thing, he poured water, water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. You know, when we turn to Jesus, we start following him. We, it's, a, it's a journey of beginning to learn to deny ourselves, right? To carry the cross and to follow him. And uh, it's a journey. And so uh, following the Lord, you've got you, your flesh to contend with, right? Uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans 7 says, hey, it wars against the spirit, the spirit against, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. There's this war. But he says, thank God. For Christ Jesus who delivers us, right? He says, oh, wretched man that I am, you know, who's going to deliver me from this? And so we have that war. And uh, so we have to, it's a full-time job, right? Managing the flesh, allowing the spirit to reign. It's a full-time job. But then as we follow the Lord, we also have other people's flesh to contend with, you know? Like if we didn't have enough. And then, you know, we have burdens that we carry in. And we have work and we have our labor of love, which is our ministries, right? The things that God has called us to. Uh, we have illness and we have fight. And all to say is, man, it, it could become a challenge, right? We can get dirty. We can get dirty. And here's something that the Lord was reminding me of. Uh, look at here in verse uh, 3. He says, he poured water into a basin and began to wash. Now, we know that Ephesians 5 says that um, in relationship to the church, right, and Christ, as he reflects on marriage, husband and wife, he, he, you know, he calls that a mystery. It's a, you know, the bride, us, the church, and Christ. That's a, in, in the marriage, that's a reflection. He says, hey, Jesus gave himself to present the church, right? Spotless, without wrinkle, perfect. And so that, that word water here, he's washing, right? The disciples' feet with water. And that's what the Lord was doing with me over there. Uh, but, you know, he wasn't using a basin. He was using seven pastors. He was using 11 guys in devotional time, you know, and, and he was using his word in my personal time with the Lord. And so uh, the time for me was a time where uh, God was washing my feet. Now, check this out. In uh, verse 6, then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And of course, I'm not going to rag on Peter, but uh, you know, he's always getting in trouble. Verse 7, Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing now, you're not going to understand, uh, but you will. Uh, verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Can you imagine telling the creator of the universe how he should do his ministry? <laughs> you know, but here's, here's what God was showing me. We need our feet washed and we got to sit at his feet. You know, he did one by one, you know, right now. You know, as you hear the word of God, it's one thing. But when you are by yourself seeking the Lord, man, he wants to wash your feet. We can't do this without him. If I came back knowing something is how much more I need of Jesus to be the man that God is calling me to be, to be the servant, to be the follower, to be the husband to my wife, to be able to love her as Christ loves us, his church. I need to be at his feet. And um, he said there, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and head. And so he goes overboard again. Peter's telling Jesus how to minister. So um, for me, it was a very, very special time uh, of sitting in the Lord's feet. Now, 
go to eight, Psalm 84 real quick. I've got two minutes. Oh, my goodness. Psalm 84. We'll finish with this. Psalm 84. So I started by confessing, man, it's a challenge to follow the Lord. You know, you get dirty. We, we need our feet washed. We can't do it on our own. And um, check out Psalm 84. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord. What's the tabernacle? The place of God's presence. That's where he washes our feet, his presence. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Man, coming back, I want to be more in his presence, you know. More than I'm worried about what I'm responsible to do in ministry or what I, I, I'm realizing. I came back with a heart check. I need Jesus to accomplish all that he has for me. Even the, uh, the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a rest for herself, uh, which is a place of safety, right? Where she may lay her young. Even the altars, O Lord of hosts, my king. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Blessed they are. And that's what we need. We need to be in the Lord's uh, presence and allow him to wash us clean. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. That's where we're going to find the strength. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. And here's a key one for me. Uh, this is one that was quoted in the, in, the, um, in the retreat. They go from strength to strength. I want to be that guy. But I need to be at the Lord's feet. I, re I realize that more than ever. I need to be at feet if I'm going to go from strength to strength. Now, he mentioned the Valley of Baca. We can be strong there too. The Valley of Baca is that dry place, that place of tension, the place of trial, the place. So even as God, and there's so much more I had here. I cannot believe time is up. But um, there's so much more here. But I'm going to do like one of the pastors. Quiet. He would do quiet. See, the imitators. But um, here's what I want to tell you. I came back knowing that I need more of Jesus. I know God's used me. I know I have the Holy Spirit. I know I know some of the word, but I need him more than ever. Amen? Amen. I want to pray over us. Um, one of the things, uh, they covered some, some of the churches in uh, Re Revelation, you know, the church of Ephesus, you know, to do the things you did at first when you first started walking with the Lord. That was a two-minute warning, by the way. So I know I can do this. But um, uh, do the things you did at first. I started thinking, what did I do at first? So I went back to some oldie goldie worship songs and I will not sing it because you'll be mad at me it, uh, but I'm going to pray it over us pray that I remember the lyrics because I'm bad with that so pray as I pray amen Lord quiet our minds make us still before you Lord calm our restless hearts Lord make me more like you raise up my hands that have fallen down, Lord. Strengthen our feeble knees. Lord, may your love and may your joy abound. And Lord, fill us with your peace. We love you. We thank you. We look to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Abraham. Good evening, family. Let me set up my timer. All right, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your patience with us, Lord, with me, Lord. I just pray, Lord, for every single uh, brother that comes up here, Lord, that you will fill us completely with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we will be able to speak what you want us to speak to your people, Lord. 
and that you prepare hearts to hear the message, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, <clears throat> there's so much to share. I mean, what, what the guys were already talking about, I mean, we have notebooks upon notebooks of just so much information. So um, spending time with the guys, brothers that love the Lord, um, pastors that love the Lord, and just pouring into us was just an amazing time. And uh, just hearing from God, just spending time with him was truly amazing. So I come back with greater convictions. Um, one of those convictions is what George was saying, that I love the Lord more and more every day, and his word is amazing. And um, it has the capacity to change our hearts. So what I want to share with you is what the Lord did in my heart. And um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the scriptures now, and then uh, we'll go over them. Um, Psalm 51. I encourage you guys to read it completely. So I'm just going to go over a few verses. Um, Jeremiah 17, 9. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, and Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. And so in one of those moments uh, doing our devotionals really early in the morning, um, we were talking about knowledge. We were talking about, you know, the condition of our hearts and how knowledge tends to, you know, puff us up a little bit. And um, for whatever reason, the Lord prompted me to, to share with the guys, you know, it's all about the heart. And I quoted out of uh, Psalm 51, and um, after that devotional, I went outside, um, kind of like the stage, there's a huge balcony, and it was dark, and I just started wrestling. The Lord started just tugging at my heart and just wrestled with, the, you know, with what, what we had uh, learned that day and uh, what we had shared. And so I'm going to read Psalm 51, verses 1 through 4. The Lord just told me, read it. You shared it. Go back and read it. So here we go. Verse 1, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. And I paused there for a second and I said, Lord, I have not committed the sin that, that David did. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't committed adultery. And you know, it's so easy for us to just grab sins and just push them down our hearts. We think of sins as things that we do on the outside, you know, the, the hurting somebody else physically or just things we do. But truly, as we see Jesus, um, you know, teaching the disciples and the Pharisees, 10 commandments were not here. The standard was much higher. Um, so it was all about the heart. So the heart of the matter is uh, the matter of the heart. And the Lord just tugged at me. And, you know, when we look at the things that we push into down deep inside our hearts, envy, selfishness, greed, jealousy, anger, so on and so on. It's so easy for us to push them down. Nobody sees those things. But the Lord sees it, you know. We, we think we're, we're good. I'm a good Christian. You know, I speak Christianese. I come to church. I, I serve. I read my Bible. But if we look at what Jeremiah 79 says, it says, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who could ever know it? And if we look at, you know, what Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 4, 12 through 13, he talks about how the word has the ability to seek deep, deep down in the deepest parts of our hearts. And, um, and so the Lord was just 
wrestling with me on that, just tugging at me. So I continued reading, and this is where the Lord really spoke to me. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew my steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your righteous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. And so I thought, I've been walking with the Lord since September 2007. I made a public profession of my faith by getting baptized in 2009. George Avila happened to be the one that baptized me and my family. And, um, but I had never asked the Lord, give me a new heart, Lord. And I knew then that the Lord was speaking to me. And I said, Lord, I do not want to leave this mountain with the same heart. I want a new heart today, Lord. And I will not get off this mountain. I do not, Lord, want to do anything that deals with ministry or serving you if I don't have a new heart. And so after just meditation and just prayer and just seeking the Lord, um, I saw Zach in the morning. He came to see us just for one day. Family, you have a pastor that loves you with all the things he's going through in his family, with his mom, his dad, and his family. He came up to see us to encourage us. And I knew that he was the one that needed to baptize me. So I went up to him. I said, I explained to him what the Lord was doing in my heart. And I said, I want to get baptized. And he got excited. He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah. And then we asked, where? So I said, there's a creek up there. But I was only going to baptize my feet. So he said, there's a river down. So we agreed on the river. Now, gracious pastor that he is, he said, this poor guy doesn't know how cold the water is up here. <laughs> so he said, you know, we have a, a water baptism coming up. Shameless plug, water baptism coming up. And uh, so I said to him, no, Zach, I can't. I need a new heart, and I want to get baptized today, and it has to be by you. So we made that trip. I told my brothers. They were all excited. We made that trip down, I think it was three miles hike to the river. On the way there, there was a, a nice, I guess, pond or little lake, but the water was stagnant. And I said, no, it can't be that one. That's like my heart is stagnant. I want living waters, fresh water, running water. I want this old heart to go down the river and never to be seen again. So we made it down to the river, and I got baptized by Pastor Zach. Water almost started boiling. We came up, and as we came up and we, we came back, I was so excited. And I, um, my wife and I are in the book of Ezekiel right now, and it just happens to be the next chapter was chapter 36. And in chapter 36, verse 25, so I will read with you. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your iniquities and from all your idols. I give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove you, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And I said, wow, Lord, you are truly amazing. And at that moment, um, another George, okay, Iglesias, 
After we came up, he comes up to me. He goes, hey, bro, I got something for you. So he gifted me this, a rock from the river where I was baptized. And he put on there Psalm 51.10. And this is the new foundation to my new heart. And I ask you, brothers, where's your heart today? Sisters, where's your heart? Have you gone grown callous, walking with the Lord for a while? Have you been pushing things down, thinking he can't see them? I echo Pastor Casa's message from Sunday, powerful. If you have not done business with the Lord, tonight might be the night that you do business with the Lord. If you've never heard this before, and you've never been here before, tonight might be the night that you give your life to the Lord. I pray for that. And that's what the Lord did for me. And I'm sure the guys are going to share so much more. There's so much more, guys. It's truly amazing. So God bless you guys. Carlos. 35 minutes to spare. Good evening, family. I hope everybody's well. This is just kind of like a little selfish prayer, okay? Lord, calm my restless heart, Lord, that I may be able to share how beautiful you are. All right. Thank you. All right. So good evening. Now, you know, I'll tell you this way. You know, being invited to shepherd school was humbling and not taken lightly or deservedly. Um, so after, I'll tell you that after much prayer, much challenges, my work schedule pretty much opened up and I was able to attend what a blessing it really was to be there. But really, once be there, and I have to be honest, once I was there sitting, the thoughts still came to mind. And the first one was, what am I doing here? It's like, I don't deserve to be here, but that's what our thoughts were. And I said, well, Lord, you have me here. So my prayer was, Lord, I don't fully understand, so show me, speak to me as to your plans. All right, so okay. So we're there, and I can assure you that the Lord answered. And he allowed me to see many things. There's so much that it's really hard to pick, just one to share with you with the time that we have. So I'm trying to keep it, I'm going to keep it simple, all right? To what he wants from me the most, and I think some of our brothers share this, is that it is for us, for me, to abide in him, to commune with him and fellowship with him, like really close and personal. You know, in 2 Timothy 2, 1, it says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Now, this is what I am to do. Pretty much this is what we are all called to do, to be strong in his grace and to abide with him um, more. To be in the word, you know, learn more about his character and do as he calls us to do. You know, being in shepherd school, I'll tell you, was very humbling and very personal. The sessions, the teachings, they were amazing. The fellowship with our brothers and the brothers of the other congregations, because there were more men there. There were like nine other men from other congregations throughout the whole um, East Coast. And we had one from Alaska that was actually there as well. You know, and let me tell you, that brotherhood that we had, it was amazing. But really, the time that I the time in communion with the Lord is what I cherish the most. It's not often that we get to spend two weeks in God's word and at his feet. 
You know, this was, this was just a, what a taste of what maybe heaven may be like. You know, this time spent in communion was convicting. It was, and moved me to evaluate and reflect how my walk with the Lord had been and how it should now be to get closer to him and be more effective for his glory. You know, there are many times I sense the Lord speaking to me through the scriptures. And as we dove into the word each day, while I was in the book of Ephesians in my devils, all that Pastor Casa shared, by the way, on Sunday, it echoed what the Lord was sharing with me. So to hear it again was really a delight. That was so, such a beautiful thing. In addition to that, I'll tell you what, it is so hard to pick just like one scripture or just one thing that he did in there. So, because there's so much to share. But I'll share a few little, oh, just, just, just what he was speaking to me and how he spoke to me. That was, that was something else. Now, in Philippians 3, 13, 14, it says, Brethren, I do not count myself to be, have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press forward to the goal of, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, going forward, I am to get closer to the Lord, to abide in him. It's closer than I have ever been before. I can tell you that, you know, it was such a beautiful thing it was to see when we got there. There was change in the air, right? We're in, being fall in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you've ever been there, but the trees, they were full of fall colors, you know, reds, yellows, greens, beautiful colors, right? If you've ever seen it, you know how beautiful that really is, the splendor of what our Lord has created. Now, I can tell you that as the days began and came to a close, we were filled with the word, and fully immersed. Outside, you can see the leaves began to fall off the trees. Just like in us, we, or basically I, began to shed a little of myself. As the days would go on, more leaves would fall, and more of myself and the things that I was holding onto were also being shed. And as the trees would get bare, so was I. Then in the beginning of the month, of this month, after a dark holiday, it actually snowed. I don't know if you know, but I've found out that it doesn't really snow uh, towards late November in Pennsylvania. So that was just like a gift, right? Now, all the trees, the ground, not covered in white, like having been purified, washed white as snow, literally. What a beautiful sight that was. You know, for us, for me, that was a washing of my thoughts and provoked in me a bigger desire to know him more. Like the shedding of my leaves and being covered in the pure word, in his pure word, shedding in my heart of unnecessary things that I was holding on to, and being replaced with more of the desires of the Lord as the Lord, as the word teaches us, as he teaches us, right? And I can tell you more of the word, more of the word, more of his guidance. I want more of him in my heart that I may be a better husband, a better father, a better servant to those that I love. And yes, even those that I may not be very fond of. Okay? Lord, be with me and use me as you please for your glory. That is my desire. I can tell you that the Lord answered my prayer request because I did, I was praying for snow. 
I've never seen snow. I mean, well, let's put it this way. I've seen snow, but I've never seen it actually snow, which was a gift that he gave me. Since it was like a kiss from the Lord to remind me that he hears us, is he's always with us. He never leaves us and never forsakes us. Even when I think he is not there, I can assure you he is there. You know, And as I move forward, I want more of him and less of me. That's what the Lord has been speaking to me while I was there. So, Lord, to your will I surrender, Lord. Equip me to be able to hear you, to follow you, and do your will for your glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. Gabe? Good evening. Looking at my time? Okay. Um, I wouldn't do the trip justice if I didn't explain what happened at the beginning and my choice in going. Um, so I just wanted to read 2 Corinthians 9, 5 uh, through 7 really quick. And it says that, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And... Um, just to kind of go back uh, uh, to the beginning of the invitation to even go to this trip, um, I kind of ruled it out as an option because of my job at the time. You know, I was taking a lot of days for youth camp, for different retreats, and then I was planning two weeks for wedding and honeymoon at the end of the year. So then to take two weeks off to be able to go to the trip was just like not going to happen kind of thing. Um, Because I would have been five weeks off. And so in the back of my head, I kind of like, man, it would have been nice to go, but can't. And um, fast forwarding to that month um, before the trip, I um, actually ended up being laid off my job unexpectedly. And it was a really big shock for me, and it was difficult. You know, it was something I enjoyed, and wedding coming up, a new apartment you know, just was, I just got the new apartment, and so there was a lot of spending going on, and um, I remember being at Zach and Amanda's house for dinner with my fiance, and him just, him and her just bringing up, hey, why don't you go to shepherd school, you know, in the midst of me in this chaos, you know, and I I was like, yeah, okay, like, kind of like brushing it off kind of thing, like, thinking about it, but not really, like, paying too much attention to it because I was like, there's no way in the midst of everything, like, the Lord wants me to go to this. And um, again, this was a portion of scripture the Lord brought me to. And even that same day, the Wednesday teaching right before the trip, uh, Zach was teaching on Deuteronomy 15, and I don't want to, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it to save time, but it just talks about, in the first verse, the people that were called to kind of refrain from collecting debt and income at the time, um, and then I couldn't help but put myself in that position. Then you continue on in that scripture, and it talks about the bond servant who would be freed in his seventh year, and he has the option, hey, do I stay with the master, you know, because I love him, you know, because I, I, I've, I prosper with him, or do I go and be free? 
And so the Lord made it really clear to me, you know, that I had a choice. You know, I, I had every reason to stay. I had every excuse to stay and not go. Um, but what was I going to choose? You know, was I still going to choose him even though I had the option not to, you know? And the whole idea of that was just that it wouldn't be out of an obligation, but that it would be out of my own free will that I would choose him. And the last portion of scripture he shared that night was John chapter 6 and verse 66 through 70. Um, we see this kind of dialogue between these disciples that went back and followed Jesus no more. And then Jesus talking to the 12 disciples and he asked them, do you also want to go away? And but Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Jesus answered them, did I not choose you? And so just, it was clear at that moment that I knew the Lord wanted me to be there. And on the trip, um, the portion of scripture that the Lord spoke to me was in Matthew 14, 20 through, 22 to 24. And it says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had, and when he had sent the multitudes away, um, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And um, kind of to go to a parallel scripture in Matthew 8, 23 to 27, you know, it says that he got, in a boat, uh, got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly there was a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? And, um, you know, the disciples in those two portions of Scripture, they were in the will of God. They were with Jesus. You know, you see that he was literally in the boat with him in the second portion. And, you know, it's, it's funny, like, when you look at it, Jesus didn't rebuke Satan, you know, in the Scripture. He rebuked the winds, you know. And many people, you know, blame the devil for things that come up or, you know, that we say it's an attack and it's just kind of become an eat, like a... Uh, just the natural thing to say when things come up, and I know I'm a victim of that. And, you know, it's easy to blame the devil because it deflects from ourselves. And, you know, it's harder to question, maybe I'm not perfect. Maybe the Lord is trying to teach me something here. Maybe the Lord is trying to stretch me and show me something through this. And maybe I wasn't giving him the attention he deserved. And maybe this is him just trying to get my attention. And, you know, it's so easy to just say, oh, it's an attack of the devil. There's nothing wrong in me. You know, this is an outside source, like whatever. Um, but, yeah, just in being able to go and be there, you know, at the, at the shepherd school, it's just like I can kind of say, like, to where, like, where else would I go except to him, you know? And, you know, I thought of, you know, even in a wedding vow, you know, one of the things you say is for better, for worse. And, you know, we're choosing to love that person unconditionally. And, you know, the question is, is, you know, do we choose the Lord unconditionally? And, you know, it's our calling to be faithful to what God has entrusted to us. And the Lord gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
And the constant encouragement on the trip was Jude 1, 20, verses, verses 20 to 22. And it was to keep yourself in the love of God. And the last portion of scripture is um, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And the truth of the matter is we cannot trust in uncertain riches, um, but we can trust in the living God. And everything around us is on sinking sand, but nothing can separate us from the love that God has for each of us. And there's peace in that. Even in the middle of chaos, we can rest in his love for us. And in every season, he is worthy of our praise. Hey, good evening, family. So it is 8.33, and they gave me till 9 o'clock. So we're good to go. So let's just pray really quick before we start. Lord, thank you so much, Lord. Just thank you for this, um, these beautiful two weeks, Lord. And um, just thank you, Lord, for these um, 11 men, these misfits, Lord, that you just put together, and you gave us such an amazing time, Lord, and a change of heart, Lord. So, Father, we just pray that today we can just... Share, Lord, what you want us to share. We love you, Lord. It is in your name we pray. Amen. So I think for me, um, it was an amazing time with 10 other guys, humble guys, guys that love the Lord. And um, I'll just let you in in our devos, which happened at 5.45 in the morning every day. And um, a lot of our talks, it was about our wives. It was about the kids. And it was like, I felt like I was like, am I in a marriage retreat? Or because it was a lot of things that we all wanted to change. And we all said at the end, hey, whenever we're done here, we're going to see with time that we need to change. This can't be something that just flashes between our eyes. Just come back and be here for two weeks and go back to our old ways. But for me, I was very impressed with how humble the pastors were. You had most of the pastors, they had 20 plus years of ministry. Pastor Bill and Pastor Tony, they had each about 50 years of ministry. And every time we would talk to them, Pastor Bill was like, ha, I don't know anything. And when he would teach, I was like, no, you do know a lot. And he, at the end, he's like, I don't know anything. Another thing that really that I saw that it was amazing was the servants. They have a school of ministry, and those guys, the way they would serve us, it was like we go first and they go second, and they were so humble. And if I'm being transparent with you guys, for me, that's kind of what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be kind of like a school of ministry. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to learn more about the Bible. And it was hard. It's hard to not put expectations, but those were my expectations subconsciously. And, you know, I was like, okay, I know I'm going to go up there. I'm going to learn more about the Bible. But I just want to let you guys in on if you can turn to Genesis 3. And this is something that as the pastor was teaching, that's where the Lord just started tugging in my heart. And it's going to be Genesis 3, verse 14. And it says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust 
all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And here God addresses the serpent first. He doesn't address Adam or Eve. He goes to the root of the problem. And we know that word seed, that it comes from the man. And, you know, it comes from Mary's miraculous conception that Jesus Christ is that seed. That Satan would bruise Christ's heel and Christ would bruise Satan's heads. And in verse 15, we see that it says God's first promise of a redeemer, Jesus Christ. And I knew God was real. And for me, as I was sitting in this teaching, all I can think was, God, you are real. And it, I just felt it, and it was just, it came over and over. I was like, as the pastor was talking about this, he was teaching us, to me, it was like, God, you are real. And then here, we see, I wanted to learn more of the Bible, but I came out knowing more of him. And a lot of times... You know, don't get me wrong, it is great to, to know about the Bible, it's great to know our Bible, but do we know him? That since mankind's first mistake, he was already willing to send his only son for us. And for me growing up, huge baseball fan, and for me, I was, Derek Jeter has always been my favorite player. And I, I know things about Derek Jeter, they might not be exact, but I can tell you, you know, he's 6'3", 200 and something pounds. He bats this. He wears shoe size this. He wears all this. But if I was to see Derek Jeter at Dolphin Mall and I was like, hey, Derek, he's going to be like, who are you? He doesn't know me. And, and this is the same thing with the Lord. My question is, do we know him or do we know of him? And if you guys could just turn to Luke 4, and then this is another verse that spoke to me. And it's going to be Luke 4, verse 16. And it says here, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and I want to skip over this first because I want to read it from the book of Isaiah. But then in verse 20, it says, he reads from the prophet Isaiah, the scroll. And then in verse 20, it says, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And if we can turn to Isaiah 61, here we're going to read... That same verse that Jesus, or the same verses that Jesus read. And that is Isaiah 61. And we'll start in verse 1, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tithings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, 
and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then what do we see here? A comma. And that's where Jesus Christ closed the scroll. And that's why everyone was so astonished because he ended on a comma. Because after this comma, what comes next is his second coming, where it says, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So family, my prayer for me is, and for my brothers, and for our church, is that five weeks, ten weeks, five years, ten years, that we're still burning with the same passion that we came down from that mountaintop. So we love you guys, and may God bless you. And I'm going to ask Pastor George to come up and close in prayer. Thank you, guys. Hey, family, turn with me to James chapter 1. For those of you that know me, know that I could fall asleep anywhere and at any time. Um, it's both a blessing and a curse. Um, but I usually get on a plane, and the second I sit down, I'm out cold. Um, I don't know if it was the two iced coffees that I had before getting on the plane, but for the two and a half hour plane right there, uh, I was sitting next to Lewis and. Uh, we were just talking. We were talking about, about the Lord, talking about ministry, uh, talking about his word. And I typically don't have two-hour-long conversations. But before I knew it, we had landed. I was like, that was crazy. I just had a, a really long conversation with Lewis. And the reason why I bring that up is because even on our plane ride up to Pennsylvania, the Lord and the Holy Spirit was doing something. It's almost like if word for word, the first teaching was that entire conversation. And we got there, we're sitting in front of Pastor Bill, and he begins teaching, and it's exactly what we were talking about. I just looked to my left, and I'm like, Lewis, are you, you, you hearing this? He just looked at me, he's like, yeah, man. And it, we did that for about an hour and a half straight. Is he really going to turn to this portion of the scripture? Oh, I guess he is. All right. And it was, it was just amazing to see how the Holy Spirit uh, just tied everything together. Uh, like, like was mentioned before, there were seven pastors that, that came up and shared with us. And those pastors would oftentimes go through the same portions of Scripture. Uh, they would mention things over and over again. And it's not like they had spoken to each other. It's not like they had, you know, shared notes. It was the Holy Spirit working. And it was truly a special time in God's word. I was looking back upon my notes, 60 plus pages of notes, 100 plus scripture references. And I, I'm trying to take it all in when I get back to Miami and I say to myself, Lord, I, I truly have to live out James 1.22. And there in James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. 
Verse 22, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. We're all hearers of God's word. We're a blessed congregation. That's what we get here at Calvary Chapel, Miami. Uh, we, we get the, the filet mignon. We really, we really do, right? We get it straight from the throne of God. It is, it is a good word that is shared because it is God's word that is shared from this pulpit. And it's awesome that we get to come on a Wednesday night. It's amazing that we get to come back on Sunday, and sometimes there's even services in between that, and we get to attend those as well. And we're, we're being fed God's word. We're, we're definitely hearing it, right? And it, it's obvious, based off of what you've seen from these men, that uh, we, we've, we've heard God's word really in surround sound uh, up there in the castle at, at Pennsylvania. And it would be foolish for me to deceive myself to say, all right, hearing it was enough. I've come back family more in love with Jesus and more in love with his word than I've ever been before. And I want that love for him, that love for his word, and that love for his people to be contagious. I, I, I want to see one last revival before Jesus comes for his bride. I, 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 I love what God is doing right now. On Monday night, we had 80-plus young adults here. And Pastor Lewis, he shared a message in Hebrews chapter 2. When he was done sharing the message, we typically don't do this, but he invited the worship team to come back up. And we had an additional time of prayer, of afterglow, and as the worship is kind of winding down, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, all right, now you go up and share a devotional. I'm like, a message was just shared. We just spent extra time in worship. Holy Spirit, is this really what you want? It was just a tug and a burden on my heart. So I came back up, and I shared another message, and begin to see people uh, just moving throughout the room, praying for each other. We begin to see just a, a true moving of the Spirit, an amazing time of afterglow. And I, I wish I could replicate that here tonight, but we know that we shouldn't do things in, in our own strength. But my prayer is that each and every one of us sitting in the sanctuary tonight, that we would not just be hearers of God's word, but that we would also be doers, that we would take the scriptures that were shared tonight, and we would go back uh, at nighttime, maybe tonight if you have enough time, or tomorrow morning, and you would go over them. You'd say, how can I apply that? How, how, can, how can I make that my own? How can I, how can I, how can, Lord, how can your word change me? Because I don't want to be the same man. Um, and I, I'm going to welcome the worship team to come on up in uh, just a couple of minutes. But I wanted to share with you guys uh, from Psalm 119 uh, before I call them up. And I love Psalm 119 because it's a psalm where uh, not only is God exalted, but truly his word is exalted. 
I believe there's 176 verses in Psalm 119. So obviously we won't go through all of those, right? But I think it's 171 of them that mention God's word. Absolutely incredible portion of scripture that reminds us of the importance of God's word. And there in Psalm 119, in verses 9 through 11, it says the following. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 11 says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Uh, There's so much more, even obviously within Psalm 119, uh, but there in verse 103, it'll take you a second to turn there, but I'll just read it for you. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey uh, to my mouth. Guys, if there was was something that was uh, special about um, our conference was just how much they fed us. I mean... We were done eating, and then they gave us more food. The first night, they gave us dessert, and then they gave us more dessert. Really, they did that. They gave us dessert one and then dessert two. It was, it was incredible. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was a joy to, and to, to have those fresh pies and uh, special cinnamon ice cream that they only have there. It was, it was amazing. But I've come back not craving that cinnamon ice cream not craving that fresh pie. I've come back wanting more of God's word. And it's, it's, truly, it's truly that Psalm 119, 103. Oh, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I'm waking up earlier than I ever have before. I'm spending more time with Jesus than I ever have before. And I don't want that to change. I don't want that to change. If I'm not careful, I try, to do, uh, I try to do this whole life in my own strength. And that's when I get myself in trouble. I want more of him and less of me. So I'm going to welcome the worship team to come on up. And I'll give you one last portion of scripture, which was a personal conviction that the Lord put on my heart um, for the two weeks that we were there. And it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 6, it says, And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's my desire is to get to know his word uh, better each and every day and to share that with my family. A personal conviction is that, man, I was spending time in God's word, but I wasn't watering my family and my wife enough with it. And I share that before you guys so that you would keep me accountable. Uh, My desire is to wash my family with God's word so that then I would be able to come here and wherever appropriate to wash you guys with it as well. And I pray that men, that you would join me in that. 
You guys are the pastors of your home. You guys have a responsibility to water your wife with God's word, to water your children with God's word. Uh, don't slack off on that. And make sure that you're spending time with Jesus. His return is very soon. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, just what you've done in and through these 11 men. And God, we pray, Father, that uh, what you've done in us would be contagious. We pray that you would give us a true love and hunger for who you are, for your word, and for your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.